Welcome to this week's episode of the Geek Offensive Podcast. This week's episode features a breakdown of my favorite movie of all time, Star Wars. And uh, this is actually a lost episode. We recorded this over a year ago when uh, the show was under the old name. And uh, you know what? I figured let's re-release it. Let's uh, start this series off again. Um, we tried to do a breakdown of all the main films in the series, and it just kind of got derailed, mainly because of the brand change and all this other stuff going on. So, uh, yeah, let's we're going to try and do this again. So we're going to start with this breakdown of Star Wars. I'm going to re-release... Actually, no, I'm going to release for the first time ever um, a breakdown of Empire. We recorded um, uh, one for Return of the Jedi as well. And we're just going to break down the films in the main series. And this is going to be the first installment. So JPG and I break down the original Star Wars from 1977. We talk about the the original versus the uh, special edition. And we, oh, I forgot. We, all, we actually spend the first 20 minutes talking about Hidden Fortress. Uh, it's a film by Akira Kurosawa that heavily influenced George Lucas and... If you ever check it out, you you know you'll see the influence right away. Some scenes are basically shot for shot remakes of uh, Kurosawa's film, and uh, yeah, Jason and I just get real nerdy about it. We uh, try and break it down thematically, structurally. Uh, we rip as much as we can. Um, so, like I said, yeah, the first twenty minutes is about uh, Hidden Fortress, and the second and the rest of it is all about Star Wars, and it's the first part of a series. Um, that uh, hopefully this time around we finish it. Um, I have the three episodes, so those will all get released this month. Hopefully we get through uh, these three and the prequels and Force Awakens before Episode 8 comes out. And, uh, yeah, folks, uh, enjoy this last episode. Um, oh, and don't forget to check out the other two shows in the Geek Say What Network. Uh, Geek.io, hosted by Justin Madriaga and Ish, and Ready, Set, Geek, hosted by Alex Gollett. And shout out to Wayland Productions for, uh, well, again, not on this episode, uh, but they uh, share equipment with us and share space with us and, you know, help us sound great. So big shout out to them. Check them out at waylandproductions.ws. And, uh, yeah. Oh, and uh, you can find me on Instagram at Justin Malari and on Twitter at Justin underscore Malari. Um, Geek Offensive also has its own Instagram, so check uh, us out there. And uh, Geek Say What, um, the Geek Say What Network has the handle at Geek Say What on just about every social media platform. So don't forget to give us some love there too. Um, let's see, is there anything else? I think that's it. All right, enough of the bullshit. All right, let's get into the episode. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. Cue my music. <laughs> So Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope. That's yeah, not, no, that's, that's that's how we're starting. Is this how uh, we're starting? Uh, <laughs> uh, 
I mean, we're not even talking about the prequels. Like, I don't know why you're making we're gonna, this noise. We're going to do this this one movie at a time. Because, well, I, I was trying to, um, with Rogue One coming up, I wanted to like try and break down what we got so far. So, so depending on how this goes, hopefully we can do all the major films before that comes out. Okay, so what are you considering as the major films? Oh, it's the, well the main six. Okay. Um, plus, uh, the newest one, so Force Awakens. Okay. Um, if there's if this goes well enough, I'll count Clone Wars. You know, but you, I don't I don't feel like I have to count that one. Uh, I'm just counting live well, action. You know, you you know, we were talking about this off air in the last few days as well. You're you're only on season one. Two now. Two. Okay. Yeah. How deep are you in season two? I'm only in the first few episodes. Oh yeah, no, no, just I'm just talking. No, no, I'm not talking about the whole show. Okay, just the features. So I'm just just the films, because good God, this entire show could be about nothing but Star Wars if we covered everything canon. Yeah. Okay. So and, and, I just want to stick to each film, and go over uh, why it works, why it doesn't. Why is this such a big fucking deal to? 90% of nerds out there. Yeah, okay. No, I mean I can I can definitely see that. I yeah. I'm I'm uh, I can say that I'm squarely one of these people who this is a huge freaking deal, you know, like Star Wars you ever get that feeling whenever you like see a new movie or whenever you read a new book or anything like that, you you have that like kid feeling again. Where you're like, "Oh, I could be there." Mhm. Okay. I consistently get that feeling from Star Wars as as an almost 30-year-old man now. Yeah, the, the sandbox Lucas made is such a big deal to so many goddamn people. It's ridiculous. Like, very few movies... I don't know if any other movie has any type of influence like this. And for this long, and if you think about it, it's only seven, really seven major films. Star Trek has way more, and it, I feel like it doesn't have near the influence that Star Wars does. How are we going to be measuring influence at this point? It's pop culture. Like, your average person who's not nerdy at all, okay, they're going to be able to spot something Star Wars. Ah. They're not going to be able to spot most things Star Trek other than, like, Captain Kirk. Okay. No, I, be- I-, I bet you most people don't even know who Picard is. Huh. I would, I would wager that. Yeah. We should definitely do a poll. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. Th- I just wanted to, like, just break this down for one. Since I have this format... Um, well, so today, I just want to break down Star Wars, the original 1977 film, the, the, the shit that launched a thousand shits. <laughs> the, <laughs> like just, I, don't, I don't think I that's don't the saying. I mean, that's <laughs> whatever, whatever that saying is, I don't know. But what this movie just started, because it's affecting us, like you said, we're in our 30, or you're almost 30. Yeah. And it's affecting us now. And I just needed to like take a look. I'm like, why is this thing such a big deal? And for today, uh, I asked you to not only watch the original film, I asked you to watch the original uncut film if you had a chance to get I to did. it, and uh, watch to watch uh, George Lucas's major influence for this film, which is a movie called The Hidden Fortress, directed by Akira Kurosawa in 1958. And uh, actually, let's start with that. I had you watch it. What did you think of? Hidden Fortress. So Hidden Fortress was the last, uh, was like one of the last pieces that I used in order to study for this podcast, uh-huh. right? And 
when people talk about Lucas's influences for uh, you know from the Hidden Fortress, mm-hmm. I can see parallels. But anytime that I heard a critic or a friend or anybody ever talk about those influences, uh-huh. uh, they always kind of made me feel like he outright stole from the movie. Yeah, no, that, that is very common. Um, the, the most common criticism you hear is like, oh, he, he stole that shot for shot. And I'm like, well, th- there are a couple of scenes kind of like that, but it's not like a direct one-to-one translation. Yeah, I... I that, and I think that's the impression that I always got, too, when and people there were, would tell me about it. Yeah, and there were a few pieces that, you know, it could be shot for shot. Oh, yeah. Could be, though. Like that scene with the two peasants, and they're walking through that, like... At right after the war, they're right walking through like desert. Oh land. yeah, right at the very yeah. I was beginning. just like, okay, that's okay, that's a right out of this movie. Yeah, that's R two D two and C three PO. I would also say that the the hijinks involved, and and it's so funny because in in nineteen fifty eight, there, you know, the sense of comedy mm-hmm. was incredibly different, you know, and and you know with with R two and with C three PO, it's it, it they strike this very unique sort of humor especially because one of them can't actually talk yeah uh now with these with these two peasants not as lovable i would say oh god okay so (laughs) i really wanted to talk about this so uh you know lucas mentions that he very much loved the idea of uh, making sure that you're telling the story from the lowliest characters yes now first off now we know how lucas knows you know we know how he feels about robots. Yes. And I'm a little bit uncomfortable about how he feels about <laughs> robots because robots have rights well, this, too. Well, this, this is point. good. I wanted you to think about like, because Lucas was a very different man when that first movie came out. So getting an idea of where he's coming from is actually going to help us talk about Star Wars. Like, so like in this instance, you said the droids. Yeah. And, and being, you know, so, so already knowing that in his canon in, in, in essentially his head canon, droids are the lowliest pieces of the galaxy and you can even see that in in the cantina scene as well pretty much everything else it's kind of spread like they try to make it better in the newer properties but like that's kind of a running theme like droids are well i mean they fight wars against droids and they're like oh these clankers and like you know like it's it it stayed there it's gotten better but that themes kind of been running through the entire thing really and it's so it's so interesting that we already have a parallel you know yeah. that that you know how peasants were looked at mm-hmm. at that specific time for the hidden fortress right. but you also now have these droids who are incredibly helpful incredibly hardworking, uh, and are essentially background pieces for mm-hmm. a lot of the characters until you start meeting the the characters that you know and love in star wars Nobody really acknowledges droids as a as a as a species, I guess. Yeah, do they have rights? Like, what's the you know where's where's the Hermione equivalent in the elves? <laughs> that, yeah. yeah, where's yeah. this where's the spew equivalent at this point? Right, that has to be in there somewhere. Because, you know, and and you can tell all of them have sophisticated AI. Luke never really talks to, at the very he, least, Luke talks to them like l- beloved pets. Yeah, he yeah, it's not like he's talking down to them all the time. It's like he is talking to them almost casually. Like yeah, okay, like a pet. Yeah, yeah. And, and at, at the very at the very most, whenever Luke speaks to them, you forget that they're machines. And and I really liked that feeling. 
going back to the hidden fortress, that's exactly how I felt like with the peasants. The yeah. peasants made made it very apparent that they were lowly. Yeah, you know, and and, and the writing and the acting and uh, really showed an idea of like these dudes are. Uh, these these are pieces of crap. Just greedy. Like, <laughs> they're just greedy and awful. Yeah. And I'm really and I and and I'm happy that I did that last because I really appreciate C three PO and R two D two even right. more now. Yeah. So it, if you watch the Hidden Fortress, folks, like you you see like he didn't. I I don't think he outright lifted it. it. It's very much like you can tell like that film really meant something to him. He loved a lot of the ideas, and he wanted to write his own version of that story. Um, on a more positive influence, I would say. Um, Leia, who's a very strong, she's the only female character, but she's a very strong character. You can kind of see that in from the princess in Hidden Fortress. I would say well, she's not; she's kind of bound by her culture, traditions, whatever you want to call it. I but would she's even not say a, even a pushover. Mm. Um, she's well, she's very she is kind of stubborn. <laughs> um, now I would say that Leia, for her time, was pretty progressive. Yes, but I would say Princess Yuki for her time extremely pro- it was progressive. insanely progressive. Yeah, you know you, you, it's, you have it's, this. It's it's nineteen fifty eight, so <laughs> that's twenty years before start in Japan, and you have this character that does not ever wear a skirt. Yeah, in, in this entire movie, never wears a skirt. Uh, always mentioned as as always mentioned by her servants mm-hmm. that she you knows she dresses like a boy. She was raised like a yeah. boy. Uh, her her actions are considered masculine yeah. for that time. As Actually, well. no. I, I, I need to correct myself. There is there is another female character. The uh, the uh, woman uh, they meet in the see, village. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, there's and a couple, but then the the other really prominent one was yeah, is the, the woman they, in the village. They bring her along with it, and like even she's like not uh, like she's about to defend her, and she's. Also incredibly progressive. Yes. You know, and I can see, and it's really funny. I think if these two characters ever met, Leia would want to be Princess Yuki. Yeah. No, I could totally see that. Yeah. And so, you know, Lucas said something very interesting in in a few of his interviews where he thought that Leia was a tougher character, was a more, like, get out there and do stuff herself. Oh, of course. Uh, But... Princess Yuki in in the Hidden Fortress, I would say the vast majority of the actions mm-hmm. that happened were she was either heavily involved in it or was directly by her hand. Yeah, she's she's calling the shots in this one. Like, um, well, also because like the the help she has is it like it her direct subordinate. Yeah, like he's a general and he's supposed to serve her. You know, and and uh, I'm really happy because uh, I'm so excited to talk about uh, Roko Ruda, which mm-hmm. is the 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 general in in the film, right now is it is it Tashira Mifune? Yes, that does. Okay, mm-hmm. so man, first off, anytime you give that dude a sword in any movie, <laughs> I'm going to be watching it. It doesn't. Need, it could be the sword could be on fire. It mm-hmm. could be made of fish. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Like it just. You could give that dude a weapon, and I will watch it. <laughs> you know that and, spear fight was for the time was wow. <laughs> Actually, very elaborate, like uh, better choreographed than I would have thought for that time. Because I, I figured at that time they were still translating uh, like techniques from uh, like stage plays. Yeah, this yeah. was actually like, uh, especially the scene with the drapes was actually very like elaborate for Visceral, that time. Yeah. Also, you know, like it felt as if. Well, they were really stabbing the uh, 
well, they're really stabbing something. Yes, is what, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and you can you can tell because there is a sort of awkwardness in the cuts of the film as well mm-hmm. at certain points. But uh, you know the and the spear scene in it, the Hidden Fortress is very reminiscent of Darth Vader and Obi Wan's yes. fight. Yep. No, it's exactly what I thought when I first saw it. And it's, and it's, I it's a very different context. It's not the same story. Uh, let don't let us confuse you in there. But yeah, go, yeah. Continue. Uh, I, I was saying, uh, I was thinking more the mechanics mm-hmm. uh, of the fight scene as well. You know, the the similarities in it. It's it's the the moves are very simple, mm-hmm. and but they're also very elegant. Yeah, know, it, it's actually funny you brought that up. Is that um, the choreographer for? Uh, Star Wars, uh, he was told he wanted you know more one- fancy one-handed samurai sword moves, but that he turned it into two-handed broadsword style, mm-hmm. which resulted in the fight you see in the movie. Yeah. So, like both of these combat scenes have roots in actual combat because 1958, like it probably wasn't that far removed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, with with uh, the fight scene in A New Hope with the lightsabers, it, you know, once again, you know, coming back to Obi Wan's words, you know, simple and elegant weapons. Mm-hmm. There's nothing dirty. There's nothing yes. visceral about about that fight, and and until you get context and you know the feelings behind it and mm-hmm. everything, you know, it, it very much seems like a gentleman's duel. Yes. Uh, there's there's definitely a code of honor, and it, it's even more apparent in the Hidden Fortress. Like, yes. There's a definite code of honor. There is this insane code of honor that mm-hmm. that would never happen mm-hmm. <laughs> ever yeah. at this point anymore, you know. And it's this beautiful scene where it's two generals mm-hmm. who know each other, yes, opposing sides, but very much respect each other. Yes, like the other opposing general tells his men to back off, like this is a duel, and even um, you know, and. I, I also feel as if the ineptitude of you know these these soldiers were very reminiscent in the stormtroopers. Yeah, as well. it's it's there, and then even even the pacing of the movie isn't that far different from uh, Star Wars. Yeah, it's it's actually somewhat similar. Um, but you're right. Like the it's immediately what I thought as well. Like those stormtroopers. Like, oh, that's kind of. You know, Stormtrooper Generation One, right there. Yeah, like, exactly. Like these are proto sort, not yeah. clone troopers, because clone, clone troopers were incredible. Right. But you know, seeing this spear fight was this was this mix of a code of honor and how dirty and visible or visceral a fight could be. Right. It it feels there's this realness to it that you don't get with like, let's say. What okay? I love Van Damme movies. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Watch a Van Damme cho- uh, Van Damme choreography from like the eighties. Like, it's I mean, are pretty, you but about- the, like Bloodsport, like it's pretty, but that's not what a fight looks like. Yeah, that is exact. That, that is the exact opposite of what a fight looks like. Yeah, like yes. this. I was just there like, there are no jumping monkeys. Yes. in any street fight, I absolutely promise. And you. those jumping split kicks. Yeah, if they landed, it would hurt. But like, who's gonna attempt that? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But this, it's like okay, they're actually fighting. They're fighting with real spears, first of all, and then the moves they're using. They're nothing fancy. It looks, um, it looks like they're trying to go for each other more than like something you would see in like one of today's action movies. And and you know, this is something that I personally like despise about action movies now is how many cuts yes there are at this point. You know how many how yeah. many. How many breakaways there are from the actual hit? Yeah. And honestly, with the Hidden Fortress, 
knowing that those were real spears and they were really ripping cloth and all that other stuff, mm-hmm. that you know, those these people are, are insane. Yeah. You know, uh, an, another fight scene that I I really wanted to point out also was the the horse chase, mm-hmm. and that happens uh, that happens right before uh, the spear fight. Mm-hmm. Now. You know, second act of the movie, you know, it's it's definitely ramping up. And it's about a two-and-a-half-ish hour movie. Yeah. Uh, didn't you feel like you were on Endor just a little bit? <laughs> you know, and, and I know we'll talk about Return of the yeah, Jedi, yeah, yeah. you know, soon. But but didn't it well, feel like that's, that? Well, that's what I felt like. The, the, the This movie influenced all the movies, not just yeah, straight-up yeah. Star Wars. And, and, and that's um, another thing that, that I never noticed from, uh, from critics of it. Right, yeah. Uh, they um, never mentioned the other yeah. how it's how it f- affected the other two movies. Yeah, I also like to bring up like back in the spirit back to the spirit fight is um, uh, and your hatred of cuts during fight scenes like uh, since this was like an older time you didn't see as many cuts in general, and for me that kind of benefits this fight because you see everything that's going on you don't just see it cut to like the a close-up or cut to, like, uh, oh, he hit him here, but you didn't really see it. They're yeah. Just kind of hiding it. Like, that's what I kind of enjoy about these older movies is that the shot length on average is a lot longer, so you get to see more uh, things going on continuously. Now, uh, please, like, I guess, help me, like, understand the, uh, like, the technology for this. Um, uh, oh, did I they mean, have, like, Zoom or anything like that in uh, they, they had They had those techniques, but, like, um, the way to use them wasn't, there yet um so like jump cuts like y- you don't see a lot of those in older films like uh, there's i've recommended some older films to you so you kind of have to readjust because we're so used to seeing what films look like today um average shot length today is probably like two seconds something really yeah. low like that yeah isn't it like less than three seconds and yeah 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 something like that um and you even see it with just dialogue scenes they'll jump back and forth to people's faces um in just one conversation um but in movies like the hidden fortress and older films um you're gonna see both people in the same frame they're both gonna be talking it's gonna be one continuous take so uh the reason for that um, is because attention spans get shorter and also it probably for editors it gives them the chance to put in better performances so it's more takes huh yeah so the, it it's good and bad. I like seeing uh, for certain things like for certain things like a uh, fight sequence. I love seeing like the continuous the action. One continuous yeah, shot. I want to I mean, see the entire thing. By the way, f- check out Tony Jaw. He's one of the few guys I know that does really long takes for like one action sequence. Or you know any daredevil fight scene inside of a hallway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but overall, like the Hidden Fortress, like uh, it it's. Its influence is all over the original trilogy from the shot techniques, the pacing, a lot of the themes, I felt like. Um, it gives you a good idea of what Lucas was into and what kind of film student he was going into making Star Wars. Um, I felt it was much more progressive than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and also, I mean, now that I think about it... Uh, Oh my gosh! I want to say that it was IDW, but I might be wrong. It was either IDW or Dark Horse, one of the one of the third party uh, vendors for comic books or one of the third party publishers, mm-hmm. where they 
actually uh, did a graphic novel version of what the original Star Wars looked like before all of the crazy edits. Oh, you know, that's from, right. You did. Re- it was the Star Wars. Yeah, it's right. the Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it has that idea of in this this older general mm-hmm. uh, who, who's guiding these these moves, I guess, yes. you know? And, you know, Toshiro Mifune's character uh, was very influential in, I think, the idea of Obi-Wan in general. Mm. Uh, And Obi-Wan, especially through, and I'm sorry that I have to say this in front of you, but Obi-Wan through the prequel trilogy was my, was like, hands down, one of my favorite characters. Well, he's one of the few good things about the trilogy. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, man... I've I feel like this entire show could just be the hidden fortress right. at this point. Okay. And there's so well, many there's so many progressive ideas that we can talk about. Well, yeah, well we can always go back to it. But let, yeah. let's shift gears here. Um how how were you introduced to Star Wars? Star Wars was the very first time we got to watch TV for more than 30 minutes. <laughs> was uh, it on like TBS or something like no, that? No, 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 no. <laughs> Th- this was um we got the VHSs uh, mm-hmm. out of nowhere for it. I had no idea what Star Wars was. It's It, it had the word Star and Wars mm-hmm. in it. So I'm like, okay, let's take a seat. And I remember, like, you know, getting around, like, like the 30, 30 40 minute Like, point. how old were you at this point? Maybe four. Maybe four, okay. Yeah, like, this is, because this is one of my early, you know, and, and a lot of, like, psychologists and child psychologists say that uh, you really start forming concrete memories around the age of four. Mm-hmm. And this is one of my really concrete memories that, yeah. like, I was around the 40 minute mark, and I'm like, wait a minute, we're still allowed to watch TV right now? <laughs> and then I remember ending it and being so mesmerized and then we got to pop in the next VHS. Like, it was, like, no fights, nothing. It was just we got to pop in the next movie. Like, your parents wanted to watch yeah, this one, too. Yeah, yeah. And, it was, it, and it was this idea that, oh, my God, like, everybody in this room loves the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to let me get away with, with everything that you've ever set up for me, yeah. <laughs> you know? So your your first thing was VHS. Yeah. Okay. Mine, get this. Mine was LaserDisc. I okay. You and, freaking and believe you, that? You still have the LaserDisc, yes. don't you? Okay. For for kids out there who don't know, oh god, would they know what a record is? Nope. Okay. So LaserDisc <laughs> is imagine like a giant twelve inch DVD, and halfway through the movie, you got to flip it over to play the rest of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I and I remember. How, you know, even having like two VHSs in a box, I was like, this is excessive. That's a, yeah, that's a long that's movie. That's a long movie, like, you, right? You knew, that, you knew that movie wasn't fucking around. And then this <laughs> this this set that we bought had three, and I'm like, there's no mm-hmm. way I'm going to stay up. I wonder if we there's have the no... same one, because I, oh, ha- I, I, had, I had to dig out like uh, my old VHS uh, set of it to watch the original unedited film. It's so and, hard to get well, the unedited well, film. And get this. The way I found it is after my parents were done cleaning, they were using it as a doorstop. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, of course my parents would be using it as well, a doorstop. I mean, think about it, you know, like 30-ish years ago, yeah. like, you know, that was the pinnacle of, te- of technology. Yeah. You know, now we can carry Star Wars with our phones. Yeah. Now we can actually we- make Star Wars lightsaber noises with our phones. But I got to say, watching, the, the, this was actually, since I finally got the VHS, uh, Working like it was crazy. 
it had been so long since I'd seen the unedited film, like the original version of the film, the real one. Uh, <laughs> and it was, God, I got to say, it, it was like catching up with an old friend you hadn't seen in a long oh, time. God, and how everything <laughs> just looks so awful, but you're still so mesmerized. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. I had watched uh, the special edition, the 2004 version of the special edition, mm-hmm. um, the day before. And I'm like, of course, you know, I liked it. And then I watched this one today, and I'm like, God, everything was so much smoother uh, pacing-wise. And there's still problems, don't get me wrong, but like pacing everything just felt smoother like there was a reason this was the final edit to me yeah and i think you know uh you know we talked about the about suicide squad a little bit in the sense where it felt like two edited movies yes i would say that the special editions feel like one and a quarter movies yeah does does that make sense yeah no that makes total sense it's um i had to think about it but like all the extra seconds that they add for either special effects or if they wanted to leave more of a scene in it made the movie drag so that's why i think it might be harder to get someone in star wars now if they have to watch that special edition and there's i guess a sort of mystery you know when it comes to where you don't see everything you know it's that suspense and it's that wonder it's that it's that's where your imagination comes through this is why we have a canon star wars and a legend star wars now Mm -hmm. because people wanted to fill in those blanks but if you go back and fill in those blanks and then tell us this is how it really happened it's a little hard for us yeah well one of the producers from uh, the first movie like um in the special edition, there's a scene with Jabba the Hutt. That scene is not in the original version of the movie because, to be honest, you didn't need that scene. Like er- all the info from that scene was in the scene with Greedo, and uh, that's what the producer was saying. Also, it's like we had technical problems with that filming that uh, scene anyway, so they put all the info from there into the scene with Greedo. Now, I would also say as well that at the time they decided that Jabba was a human. Yes. Yeah. So they had to put the CG slug on top of right it. Right on top of yeah. it. Um, but, well, okay, let's just jump into the movie. Like, I, cause we, right. I think I think we could talk for like six hours about this. Uh, <laughs> and, um, okay, so how opening crawl. T- by the way, how are we already 27 minutes in? Because <laughs> this is something we're very passionate about. Like, <laughs> this is why I, I we needed this long format to actually talk about it. This isn't something we could do on a Facebook post. No, there is not. <laughs> yeah, I would not do it justice. Yeah. Uh, so, from the opening crawl, and by the way, there's even, it was edited by that time, by the time it got to VHS, because originally it was just Star Wars. It wasn't called Star Wars A New Hope. It was just Star Wars in the episode four stuff that they didn't add that until the re-release because uh, Empire came out. Ah. Yeah, so I think it was like 80, 81 is when they added mm-hmm. the Star Wars A New Hope. So it was just Star Wars at the time. Um, so first shot of the film is um, uh, iconic because like, you see the ship getting shot at. Like, okay, cool. It's in space. Cool. And then you just see this giant, massive piece of machinery just keep going and going and going. Um and for me, as an adult, when I finally got to watch it in a the theater, that scene had so much more impact on me because, oh, wow, this is really, this is like a different kind of establishing shot. Yeah, it, it feels 
it feels too large for you to be in your own reality. Yeah, you can't. And at that time too, like it, there was nothing like that. It was just like this massive. Sh- they had to invent effects for this movie. Um, so just right off the bat, you're like, okay, yeah, it, it's already establishing like this is gonna be bigger than life. And this is going to look like nothing you've ever seen before. And I think a lot of movies have that sort of problem where you have to, through exposition and through your first act, you have to build that sense of, that sense of, uh, not disbelief, uh, uh, that suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Yeah. Now, with that establishing shot, it's too large for you to wrap your head around. And it's too large for you to place that into reality. Mm-hmm. So you immediately immerse yourself in this world. Yeah. And for the film, it's just the way it's framed to make it look even larger. It was just, that was like brilliantly done. Uh, I, if, I, I, if I could remember the director of photography for the movie, like I'd be praising him right now. <laughs> um, but okay. So the first act is um, the droid escape and everything on Tatooine basically. Right. Yes. It's it. You would agree. Like, Star Wars is kind of it's your standard three act uh, oh, yeah, structure. Definitely. So it's it's like tattooing the Death Star and then the Battle of Yavin, right? I will give you that. You yeah. Give that? Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So t- tattooing. Uh, what happens next? Oh well, back to Hidden Fortress. Like the scene is probably what people think of when they think, oh, he just took it from Hidden Fortress. Because like that scene of the two droids is yeah that that pan out shot of the yeah. two droids right in the desert is is very reminiscent of exactly yeah how the uh, how we open up on the peasants mm-hmm. and uh, w- although I do have to say I personally think that the Hidden Fortress had a stronger uh, they 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 used that scene more effectively yeah I w- I would agree with you there. yeah now. You know, we've already established that that droids are this... They're basically wall ornaments at mm-hmm. this point, you know? Nobody shoots at them in uh, in the ship, you know? Yeah. The, you know, uh, all, the, all the blaster bolts go right past them. They, they launch into an escape pod, and they're like, oh, there are no life forms, whatever. You know? Right. They crash land, you know, meet up with the Jawas. Oh, that's right. Vader doesn't even think like, oh, they put it on a droid. He just said, oh, they must have hidden the plans on the pod. Yeah. Or something, okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and so already, and you know, now that we know Vader's background of being very good with mechanics, mm-hmm. it's very weird that that just slips mm-hmm. his mind. Yeah. But by the way, oh, we skipped over Vader's entrance. Uh, very memorable entrance. Um, he's just this big dark figure just emerging out from like a battle. And, and it's so stark in contrast to uh, to how is it the Tantive Four? Is that the ship that they're on? No, I think the, I'm wrong on that it's one. like Blackade Runner or something yeah, like that. Okay, yeah. Okay. So how the the walls are stark white? You have the you, you have the the soldiers' uniforms as well mm-hmm. uh, with stormtroopers, and then you also have you know the rebel soldiers as well. And I, I want to say that they're wearing like white helmets and light blue or yes. or something like that. And and it, it's so. It's this really interesting, like parallel, because usually you use colors in movies in order to draw your eye to it. Yeah. But there was little to no Absence colors. Of color. Yeah. And then you're drawn right to the black. Yeah. And you're drawn, uh, and 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 you can't take your eyes off of him because yeah. he's so imposing. Yes. No. It's framed perfectly. It's this really like just flat white all around, and then bam, here's Vader. Um, I I want to say is Macquarie that came up with the designs. Uh, but I don't know if he just did concept. Or I know 
Lucas wrote down what he Stuff. was thinking, but <laughs> I, I want to say it was McCory that kind of brought it to that stage, and then the production team at ILM eventually made the suit. Uh, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The uh, your eyes drawn to him, despite that there's, especially in the older versions, you can't see a lot of detail on his costume. It's just black, and you see some buttons in his face. Um, but, but it yeah. makes you even more interested in right. his character, you know, like this, and, and and I guess like the juxtaposition between him and Leia mm-hmm. when you first see them, Leia is is small and she looks very and, vulnerable, yeah, and, and vulnerable. she's she's kind of hiding. But it's also, you know, I, I think I'm thinking a little bit ahead right now. But you know, when when she comes face to face with Vader, mm-hmm. it is. You know, she's small, but she's brave while he is large and and larger than life. But he you can tell there's a there's a recklessness. Mm -hmm. There's like there's there's a there's a there's like no control behind it at points. Right. She's she I mean, you know, she's flat out lying to him right away. And like um, she's putting her mission first. So that kind of gives you a sense like she has a bit of uh, fearlessness to her. It's like yeah. she has to put her duty first. I mean, she even shot one of the stormtroopers in, yeah. in, 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 you know, in the first few scenes. You right. Know? And, and, and I, I think I, that goes to Lucas, I think, trying to establish, like, she's not your damsel in distress. She no. will fight back. Um, and, again, all from Hidden Fortress. It's he, he wanted that strong female character in there. Now it is interesting because you did mention this before that you know he he wanted this idea of a strong female character, mm-hmm. but only used it for one. While there was two, pretty strong. Yeah, that's uh, right. Like he only wrote one. I wonder why that one. Well, yeah, I re- I really can't think of an answer for that I one. Mean, budget? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he just couldn't write another one. He I'm couldn't think of really, how to write one i'm just I, really terrified that there are only two women in the entire universe oh that'd be horrifying yeah like like just just leia and mon mothma <laughs> like th- if you think about it like that's were there it any other, like, i mean like there were like twilight ladies lady uh, twilight uh those ladies. two twins at the moss eisley bar i don't know if you remember two twins at the moss eisley you see bar. them for like a, a second okay so those are two and then you got the twi'lek yeah uh and then the dancing one at java's palace yeah there's a not many, I would say. That's I'm not sure. Terrifying. Are they like a commodity at this point? I, I think it was, you know, back then. You know, a lot of male filmmakers didn't think about that. Yeah, we also got to make sure to check in with Star Wars HR. Yeah, because they're not being you know, women aren't <laughs> being represented. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, okay, so they're on Tatooine. Um, and again, it's mirror. Again, I think it's this sequence that sticks out to people when they say like, "Oh, he stole that from Hidden Fortress," because they both get captured, and they both like meet each other coincidentally. Um, just like in Hidden Fortress, the two peasants get captured. They meet Se- each other separately, separately, yeah. and they get they meet up coincidentally. Um, so that that part of it, yeah, it's right out of it. You can say that, um, but the context of what's going on and their characterization very different. Yeah. Now, um we then move I guess to meeting Luke. Yes. Then, correct? So okay. Lu- Luke is your your typical epic hero. Some people say he's a Mary Sue and um, I don't personally I don't, believe he's a Mary Sue. That's that's what I'm I'm like I don't know. I, like my this is my English teacher in high school and mm-hmm. this is actually one 
probably the one thing I remember from his class is like um, Star Wars was a very good example of l- showing what an epic hero looks like. And by epic, I mean your classic epics, like yeah. your, your Odyssey, Iliad, your classic Greek uh, epic hero. Um, th- they're usually like, they're all good. They're really shown better than they are. They're more, they don't go through as much of an arc as like your romance hero is like what okay. with, what, like what with Han Solo uh, is. I would say that with Luke as being the epic hero, um, he very much follows like the 10 to 12 steps that most like scholars believe that what the uh, what the epic hero does go yeah. through. You know? Yeah, the, he- the hero's journey. Yeah, the right? hero's journey. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, once again, it comes, the idea comes back in where you are now picturing this this story in the scope of the lowliest people because what is luke a moisture farmer yeah he's a farmer Far- <laughs> and, farm boy like, and and a farm other, boy and he's not, thing, he doesn't even own the farm yeah. and the other thing i had to remember it's like oh luke's a kid in this movie yep pretty much and that's something that was like i guess i just did not didn't think about all these years later because of you know when i think about the trilogy casually it was just like oh it's luke he's a guy no he's a kid in this yeah i yeah. mean Barely, I mean, you'd you'd put him what? Barely out of high school or something? Yeah, like, that? like yeah. just old enough to enlist. And in, it's a, yeah. uh, and, and you once again see it through the eyes of somebody who is downtrodden, somebody who the who most society would not even pay attention to. Right. They even have it take place on the outer rim. Yeah, which is you know, which in Star Wars canon is that's the place most people don't want to go to. Yeah, it's it's the Ozarks. It's it's the Inland Empire of the <laughs> <laughs> of the universe. Uh, Sorry to the folks in the Inland Empire. <laughs> I was I was going I was going to say I live out there, so it's okay. <laughs> now you you get the idea of <laughs> with nothing in these scenes with like little to nothing being uh, being able to be seen in these scenes it's very sparse there aren't that many uh decorations or anything like that yeah it is it wasteland really, it, it actually really... b- before we continue what is a moisture farmer well they're probably getting moisture from the air in order to get water that's is that what, what i always was? thought about okay. yeah i guess it's that makes sense the desert planet yeah because i'm just like what the hell is I, I remember like what it, and i noticed it today i'm like what the hell is a moisture farm like what the... yeah i'm pretty sure it's that i i guess yeah i mean it's, <laughs> i got nothing better yeah I, but like through the scenery, you you subconsciously do get as bored as Luke does. Oh yeah. In the sense where yes, you're still watching the movie, but you're like, no, I understand why you want to leave. Yeah, and and this is also where they make Luke very relatable. He wants nothing more than to get out of there and become his own man. Like, uh, and that scene which our friend Ever from the Memcast podcast, he loves that scene, the the dual, the binary sunset. Where it's Luke looking across this vast wasteland and it's like, there's nothing for me here. He wants to go out away from this planet. What is past this? Yes. You and know. he's like, he's, he's, the, the yearning on his face to get out of there is, um, again, also for me, one of the most memorable scenes in the movie. Uh, just because, like, I feel like most of us at some point have felt that. Like, what is beyond here? What can I make myself into? You know, am I nothing more than what I've been told to be? I always liked, you know, the idea that 
it, it wasn't for Luke to see different locales and to, to meet different people. Mm-hmm. I always thought with Luke it was more about progress. You know, you live uh, your entire life on a farm, and every day, day in and day out, is the same exact thing. So it's like personal challenge. He wants to see what he's really made of. You know, he feels like he's more than just a farmer. I would say that he feels that he can do more than just farming. Mm-hmm. And, and and what that is, he just, he doesn't know. And, and, and through luck, you know, you get to hear through exposition that you, that he loves piloting. Yeah. You know, and, and he, and what it sounds like, he's, he's a good pilot mm-hmm. also. And you have that, I guess that piece, that piece of, okay, this is my out. Yeah. And, and I liked that he, it wasn't for adventure, it was just to progress. Yeah, I feel like it's a very relatable thing for a lot of people. Like, how many people are, like, stuck in their situation and have, you know, no out or just one small out, and, like, they, they need to get out and progress and see what they're doing and uh, challenge themselves and just go beyond what's right in front of them. What's next after that? Um, I believe that's when... Um, well, he, Luke had found the message and he wanted to find out... That they mentioned uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And uh, I think it, I believe it's R2 runs away. Yeah. And Luke has to chase them, chase after them in the morning. And that's when you see like um, uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru just kind of looking for him. And then he's like... Uh, they ha- they actually have that scene in the kitchen, mm-hmm. which is, um, now that we're here, like, it's one line of dialogue, and it's, Star Wars is known for having, like, not, like, bad dialogue. Um, <laughs> but there's that one line that <laughs> Uncle Owen says that kind of takes me out when he says, like, oh, he'll have hell to pay. And it doesn't sound like a big deal, but for me, it was just like, so they have a concept of hell? Is it a Christian? Is that explained... You know, Anywhere and, else? And that's so funny because I'm, <laughs> I'm reading through Dark Disciple right now. Right. Do they have uh, a concept of that? Do they so call it hell? No. See, that's the thing. Like, uh, uh, Mace Windu uses mm-hmm. the same exact phrase. Yeah. And and you're right. It, take, it takes me out of it because, like, okay, now that's an idea of religion, which I understand that, but that Jedi is a religion. Right. But that's, that's not what's taking me out. It's just that, wait a second. Do they have that concept it, it religion's fine, but like, do they have that concept of hell, and then they use it like we do? Uh, Th- like that was like, wait a second. You know, I don't even think in Jedi teachings there's an idea after because after death you're part of the Force. Okay. You know, and so but, is there a hell? But that's it, though. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So that so lines like that take me out of it. Yeah. Um. Uh. And there are other like. There are other things like that where it's like, wait, that that dialogue's either like too dated or it's too close to us because it, it for a long time it looked like they were trying to stay away from that for the most yeah. of the, for the majority of the movie. Um anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh so okay, so they're uh he's attacked by the Tuscan Raiders. Yes. He, and then um that infamous scene where like they I guess the guy they rocked the footage back so it looks like the Tuscan Ranger shaking the staff more than once. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay, so that if you look at that scene, um, it's a scene where he uh, looks on the ground and he's being attacked by the Tuscan Raider 
and you see him like shake the staff over his head. Yeah. If you look closely, like he only does it once and then they rock it back. Like they reverse the footage and put it back. So he, he only shakes it once, but in the movie it looks like he shakes it twice. Wow. Yeah. I never <laughs> I never realized that. Yeah. So it was and that was just like a fun little thing like I learned and I'm like, oh wow, that is what happened there. And if you <laughs> You're not thinking about it, but when you see it, you're like, oh, that is exactly what they did. Yeah, this looks kind of awkward. Yeah, so there's you know, a lot of... We could do a whole podcast about just the behind the scenes and, to this. And all the awkward stuff, yeah. yes. Um. So then Ben saves him. Now it's the a very important scene where Ben is learning about or telling Luke about the Force and introducing all these concepts. Now... That's one scene that took me out of the, that that did take me out of the movie a bit. When they're at Ben's home. When they're in Ben's home, okay. and he's talking about you know this is a lightsaber mm-hmm. and you know this is you know I knew your father. It, it everything. I always thought that it, like you know I had my head cannon for it, and mm-hmm. and Obi Wan has just not talked to anybody for so long. It's kind of just all a word vomit at this point. Yeah. That like, oh my gosh, human interaction. I get to tell you about this. And what about this? And then the Jedi. And then I knew your dad. And then, you know, it's it's that. It, to me, it comes off as, you know, you knew Ben as old Ben. Like, you know, like the wizard and the mm-hmm. weird one that lives the all hermit. the way over there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're willingly coming into his home. You're 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 listening to every one of his words and then you just immediately believe him. Yeah. Well, uh, that could be related to like how badly Luke needs something to do other than what's in front of him. Ah. You know what I mean? It's like any sense of adventure, he's like, I'm on it. So then what's Obi-Wan's motivation? Well, besides, you know, being an old general. I I think he feels like, um, I have a feeling... Like Jedi, he knew this was gonna happen no matter what. Uh, like he, well, I mean, Obi Wan's the one that put Luke there in the first yeah. place. Okay, no, okay. So I feel like he knew like this he was, was inevitable. waiting for this moment. Right, it okay. was inevitable. Luke's of age, and like, okay, like now all the everything's in motion. And like, now here's a mission that I can train him on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a proper amount of danger and. Uh, well, first, let me talk about the lightsaber, because that must have been, in 1977, like, there was nothing like that. <laughs> Everyone must have been like, whoa, <laughs> what? Oh, my God. And then just people running out screaming. <laughs> yeah, just pulling out their <laughs> hair. <laughs> <laughs> I make it seem like I think people in the 70s were just monkeys. <laughs> like, just, that's, not, that's not what I really think. <laughs> But still, that had to have been pretty mind blowing at the time. They're like, "Whoa, wait a second! You could do that." <laughs> I mean, what what movies would have come even close to those types of special effects at that point? Nothing, because ILM had to invent those effects. <laughs> now, was was there like a, a a film science behind like the early lightsabers? Um, well, I know the sound effects were. Um, it's when you take. What is? It? I think it's when you take like another speaker and wave it in front like of another speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, tech nerds out there, cor- correct me. Um, <laughs> uh, it's something like that. You're kind of waving something in front of a, a speaker or an amplifier, and it makes that noise. Uh, and I think the the original hilt is from some piece of like lighting equipment. No, no, but uh, I I mean, in order for the l- okay, so 
was the light put in after production? Oh was yeah, it, it was okay. after production. So the actual sword, the actual fights, there's like an analog there. There's a stick that of course it's, it's an actual sword. But for that scene, like um, with in Obi Wan's hut, like there's no he, he's pretending it's there. Yeah, yeah. So that's like oh they had to add that in, animate it, and like oh okay, it's Luke. If you saw the raw footage, it's just Luke moving around a stick. Ah, yeah. Huh. I'm yeah. always really interested in that too, because like, how did they track it, and how did they, you know, yeah. like, was it animated or was it? Uh, I can't remember, but if my gut feeling tells me it was animated, and like they had to just take the frames of the movie and just animate over it, and then composite everything together. Now, after that, is that the scene where we see Alderaan? I, uh, yes, I think you're right. Oh, no, 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 because they had to meet Han Solo first because of the disturbance in the Force happens on Han Solo's oh, ship. Oh, okay, no, no, you're right, you're right. Yeah, so they have to meet Han Solo. It might have been, am I thinking of the torture scene is what I'm thinking of? Uh, torture scene and then meeting Han Solo. Yes, yeah. okay. Um, the, now, uh, the torture oh, oh, scene, I'm... Before oh. we go to the torture scene, I just got to say, um, wow, Alec Guinness really brings in this movie. Like, they're... It felt like an adventure movie, and then but when Alex Al Guinness as Obi Wan is in there, his performance is like, wow, this made it real, for me. <laughs> Which is so funny because he immediately regretted doing. Yeah, he Star hated Wars, it, and, and he hated it for the rest of his life. Yeah, too. Uh, but that kind of just tells man, that guy's that guy's a pro. He's yeah, a like, really good like, actor. <laughs> like if he came in day in and day out, like this is stupid. I want to see all of his other movies. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, just like, wow, his like I had forgot somehow forgotten how good his performance was as this mentor figure, and I was like, wow, he's really good. I almost want to believe him and follow him to Alderaan. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I want to blow stuff up. Like yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, sure. It's, no wonder Luke believed him. Like, yeah, sounds a good good idea. Let's do it. Uh, anyway, to Moss Eisley now. Um, oh, wait. Torture scene. Torture scene. Torture okay, scene. okay, so uh, torture scene I did want to bring up. Uh, now, there are a lot of heavy implications of the torture scene after you find out all of the history, especially between Darth Vader and Princess Leia. Yeah. Darth Vader well, tortured I, his daughter. Yeah. Well, it's only it's only shocking in retrospect. I think yeah. for the sake of like just watching it as a movie, you don't know. It just makes him seem, again, he's just, he's the villain. And, and it's funny, too, because they, they actually circle back around to this in Star Wars Bloodline, uh, which is a book that happens. It's a novel. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of the novels in canon now okay. that happens uh, before episode seven, like between six and seven. Okay. And they bring back the idea because you're, you're experiencing the story th- through, uh, through Leia's POV mostly. Oh, okay. And, you know, she's a seasoned senator. She's a war hero. She's, like, heavily respected in the Senate. And, and you know, with I don't want to spoil the book or anything like that, but, you know, she has to come to terms with stuff like that where Vader was her father, but she got tortured by him. And this is something totally that she made out with my brother. What? <laughs> that we'll never, get, we'll, we'll that get to. It never comes up anymore. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll get to that later on. <laughs> Because it's really a, we can't dance around this movie. We can dance around it. The other two movies, not really. You can't, you yeah. can't dance around it. Um, but yeah, that it actually is a very dark scene retrospect, especially by today's standards. Um, but uh, where were we? So after Moss Eisley. Eisley now, and this is one of the most interesting 
aspect, we might have to. This might have to go a little longer. Yeah, this, this <laughs> I is can't. Probably gonna go a little long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I saw Harrison Ford talking about this in an interview, and it's a really interesting concept because it's one of the few science fiction movies with like a really used future that's not like post-apocalyptic or something. And it and it's like oh, it actually feels lived in. It's not this pristine science fiction like space city. Like it feel it felt like that city could be like two towns over. <laughs> but I always thought that that was a huge appeal for me specifically. For yeah, Star no, Wars. that's what and I'm saying. Like, I thought it was like a really good idea, and like all the vehicles don't even look slick. Like you see, you can see all the parts to every vehicle. Yeah, and everything like, yeah. is dirty and grimy yeah. and looks like it could be across the street. Yeah, like, you could see like how stuff works, and like, yeah, there was very much like uh, I think that helps with the sandbox feel. It makes you does like oh that could be right there like I want yeah or that could be yeah that could be just an hour away yeah. or something yeah no I I definitely get that and you I know, mean have you been to Bakersfield it's not <laughs> it's not, uh, it's, not <laughs> it's not good uh, but you know sorry to our listeners in Bakersfield Jeez. I mean yeah all two of you <laughs> two really you think <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> But, you know, just like you, you mentioned beforehand, though, this is the introduction of, of Han Solo, which is the romance hero or mm-hmm. in some definitions, the Byronic hero mm-hmm. or or the, the tragic hero or anything like that. Right. I when you first meet Han Solo, it's like meeting every cool kid you've ever met in your entire life. And like the bad kid that was wearing like a leather jacket. And yeah, that, that was it. He stayed around for an extra year because he, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's a year older, but in the same grade as you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it was that, it, it's so funny to see that feeling distilled into one character. Oh yeah. And then, oh, again, special treat. Like I saw, you know, the special edition version. Like, let's just get to this because, like, Han doesn't shoot first in the special edition. I got to watch the original earlier today, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's how I remember the scene. He shot him because he was threatening him. Yeah, and and it it's to show that Solo isn't a good guy. Yes, he's a scoundrel. Like this is, um. Again, this when they changed it, that's why people were outraged. It's destroying the character. You're destroying part of the story. And and you're you have to know that he that he is a he's not a good guy at the beginning of this. Oh yeah, because he's that stark contrast to Luke. Mm-hmm. You know, even they they even mentioned that he's transporting spice, which is heavily heavily implied to be like hard drugs in yeah he's galaxy. smuggling drugs for the mob <laughs> yeah and, and and you know we they never say that in so many words but you get the sense of it and yeah. then seeing that action of just killing a dude in cold blood mm-hmm. uh, it, it 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 does i guess essentially take away from it when you change it yeah it's like he had to wait to be shot because he's he's still a he's a he's a drug smuggler with a heart yeah, and and, <laughs> and, and you have yeah. that concept in storytelling, yeah. you know, and and I'm, uh, the, it's ridiculous that it's called this, but you have this idea called the hooker with a heart of gold. Oh God! Yeah, and it's this this idea that they the the character makes poor choices. You mm-hmm. don't agree with them. You don't even like them. Yeah, but you care about them. Right. Like this is um, again, in in the way that like. Luke represents kind of like, oh, that's who I am. Like, um, 
Hansel kind of represents like, oh, that's the stuff I don't want to admit is me, but I can relate to that. Like that's oh, that's kind of like the. I kind of wish I was that guy. It, it's also this idea of this is where life takes you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's this idea that you know that Han Solo is a good person essentially, but there have been so many choices that yeah. led him down this path. And still manages to be just fucking cool. Because <laughs> I don't remember the end of that scene, but he just walks over to the bartender. And he, just, he just flicks him some money. It's like, sorry for the damage. Walks out. <laughs> just doesn't walks give a out. fuck. <laughs> and, and it's this... And also, you have Chewbacca with him. Mm-hmm. Doesn't you know? The, Chewbacca doesn't speak, yet Han Solo intuitively knows another language. That's even cooler. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he's got to be some kind of intelligent if he can understand Wookiee. Yeah, and then and and you you get that same sense from Chewbacca where he can only speak one language, but yeah. he understands English as yeah. well. And and you have this duo, which you know you feel like they're living on the fringes and they don't yeah. care about anything. It's kind of like um, Lucas kind of split up the peasants and made two pairs from that, like because they're kind of bumbling and comedic, like C-3PO, with the droids, with the droids, and then like oh, they're also greedy bastards. Yeah, like with Han and Chewie. So and, and, and you know, of course, that sense of greed isn't as strong in a yeah. New Hope. But it's there. Yeah, it's like they're doing this for a reward. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's how Luke convinces Han, like, hey, she's she's rich. Yeah. You know, she And even before that, uh they uh Obi Wan promises them like three times the money that it usually takes. Yeah. Uh and uh yeah, I mean just that feeling of Luke, you're really getting in the middle of this now. Like this there's, there's no, no turning no back. No turning back. Point. Once you go to well, I mean he literally has nothing at home now. Yeah. And oh. now he's just deep oh. in. Uh, well, well, I he has a pair of rotting corpses. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> was that too? No, come on. No, uh, we, we anyway, have, we've had forty years. That's yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, so like, uh, yeah, he's just deep, deep into this world now. There's no turning back, and it's like showing Luke. This is this is like the worst of it. But this is also uh, for the audience. Like um, now, there's a wide diversity of characters at this point because you've met everybody and there's more people for you to relate to and that's what kind of like about these like ensemble like group adventure type films it's like i'm that guy or you're that guy like like you, there, you there's 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 a there's a yeah. han solo of our group or there's a luke of our group or yeah there's yeah. there's a reflection of the qualities that you admire or that you don't admire in yeah. yourself I would also say that they that they squarely fit within the rules of of I guess team movies that mm-hmm. you never really ever go over five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's over five, something's gonna happen to somebody. I would say even six, you yeah. can push it. You know, that's yeah. the Power Ranger but, rule. Well, you know? even but even in Avengers, Hawkeye got brainwashed and yeah, exactly. Black Widow got kidnapped. Got kidnapped, and, yeah. and then <laughs> it's it's gonna be one of the normal. Yeah, ones. Thor went to go take a bath. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we saw his abs, so it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> we knew what that scene was. Come on, <laughs> God, where where are we in the movie now? Uh, so there, we already talked about the this extra scene with Jabba, so we don't have yes. to retread that. So. Now this is they've gotten off the planet. Alderaan's already blown up. Um, this is kind of like the or no, it hasn't blown up. No, no, so no, that, no, no. That no. It has. It has, and uh, 
and they've they've already escaped by the time it happens. Yeah. Yes. So okay, okay. So so what happens is that uh, while they're on the ship, then that's when it that's when Alderaan explodes, and right. that's why Obi Wan has to sit down. Yeah. Well, then when they get out of hyperspace, yeah. they're supposed to be a planet, but it's all just debris. Right. By the way, that reaction from obi-wan i don't know if that was written in or if it was come up with on set like that was a brilliant idea to to show like the connectedness oh, yeah exactly i'm like that's actually a really good way to show like what this is about and how encompassing it is to all life i'm like that was that was actually a brilliant move um i'm hoping that was lucas that wrote that or Maybe his his then wife edited it. Who knows? And then it, it's so that line, you know, um, it, it's as if a million lives were silenced all at once. Yes. I, I can't remember. But uh, that line means so much to the audience. Yeah. Because of the perspective that we mm-hmm. have. But it means absolutely nothing to people like Luke or, or Han. At yeah, that point. like that's we've never been there. That's like, not our uh, world. Or like, oh, like you must be you you must be just getting old. Like, oh, why don't you just sit down? Yeah. You know, or how it, many it, planets are there? Who gives a yeah? yeah. It, it's it's that idea that there's at the very most it's I don't care, and at the very least is you're indifferent. Yeah. But the audience knows why mm-hmm. he feels that way, and and it and it once again makes you connect. It makes you connect to Obi Wan. Yeah, and it like I said, I just love that reaction. I'm like, God, that was a really good way to convey that, and you you learn something about and to connect the two stories, right? And happening. you and you learn something about the Force while the movie is going without having to stop and flat out explain something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that would that's about the end of the first act, right there. Just about, yeah. yeah. Okay, so now we're entering. They're in what was Alderaan. Yeah, and then they're getting tractor beamed yes. into the Death Star. Uh, Death Star, and then this is where. Um, well, this the, the Death Star is the second act. Um, again, another huge feat. Like all these ships flying in, the way they did it, special effects wise. I'm talking about. Um, like again, they had to invent a lot of the ways they did it. Um, blue screen. It was. Yeah, it wasn't green screen. It is blue, uh, which they still sometimes use today. But is there a, is there like a, a mechanical difference? Um, the green they use it's just such an unusual color that when you're photoshopping everything out, like it's easier to spot that and tell the computer, "Hey, get rid of this color." Interesting. So it's not gonna um, accidentally take away part of the actual scene. So, like, if it was a more common color, you might take away someone's arm or part of a ship or something. Could you give an example of when, like, blue screen kind of backfired? Can you think of anything? I, off the I top can't of your think head? of anything off the top of my head, but, like, the, the blue I would have figured is more common. Yeah, and this is yeah. why they had to switch uh, Luke's lightsaber from blue to green uh, mm-hmm. in episode six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to bring up, like, what is the blue? And green? Oh, we'll get to that some other time. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, Act That's Two. Okay. No, act we two. Could, yeah, yeah, we could do this. I mean, we're probably gonna have to split this up into two different parts. Oh, okay. I, this, this, this is more for questions yeah, <laughs> or yeah. anything. So, like, like the more because like the, the there used to be a canon reason for the color of the lightsabers. Now, I don't think that's true anymore. Uh, I it's only s- sort of there. It, it's it's slightly there. Yeah, I because I was just like I was watching Clone Wars earlier and like. Wait a second. Why does Ahsoka have a green one? I thought that was for like masters, quote unquote. But uh, I guess that's not so, so anymore. Or so okay. So 
the color of your lightsaber is supposed to correspond, and and this was like pre-canon, I guess. Yeah. I would kind of consider this canon because they haven't outright said no, this doesn't work. Yeah. So uh, there are two main colors for for lightsabers. There's mm-hmm. a blue and there's a green. Yeah. Blue is more focused on lightsaber use. If you're if you're a force user that uses your lightsaber more than anything else, mm-hmm. you get blue. Mm-hmm. If you are a force user that uses the force more than they use their lightsaber, you get green. You're more attuned to the force and you're more focused on, on improving your force powers. I wonder what the tactical reason would that be. Because if an enemy saw that, they'd be like, okay, I know what to expect now. Now, th- I want to say that in story, this is kind of like, it, it's implied. Okay. Because you find your crystal, or technically your crystal yeah. kind of finds you at that point. Okay. And it's it's more attuned to the things that you are good at and the things that you want. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, this is why it's very interesting that both Obi-Wan and Anakin in the Clone Wars are both blue. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, most of the time you just see them swinging lightsabers. You never, like, sometimes you see them move things and all that stuff, but not too much no. with the mind control or anything like that. While Yoda, yeah. on the other hand, has a green lightsaber. Now there are other colors in canon. Now uh, the they have yellow lightsabers that used to mean the Sentinel, which is which were like undercover Jedi, mm-hmm. and like they would live with the populace and all that, and and it was very rare to find yellow lightsabers. Mm-hmm. But now in canon, what it's used for is uh, temple guards, huh? The people who uh, like, you know, because the uh, temple guards, Jedi temple guards were. A completely different class of Jedi. Like they, they were faceless. You never saw them. Um, you know, there. It was more. It's. It was like the military's military. Okay. If if you if that makes sense. The, the, yeah. They're MP. Okay. Yeah, they're uh, like MP. Yeah, that'd be a good way to put it. And then now, because um, n- now you also have like white lightsabers, uh, in canon as oh, well. Oh God. I'd... Yeah, which which is very interesting. Because and I don't I don't want to I don't want to spoil it for you, but like. I'm, I'm sure I'll forget by the time I yeah. get there. Um, the person who uses white lightsabers—it's very interesting, and you you understand on a conceptual level why it's that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you know, of course, you have the red, which yeah. that's what I like about the dark side. Just keep it simple, folks. Yeah, you got now, black and you get red. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, black—they <laughs> do have that in canon now. Black are dark sabers. They're pro- oh, I was talking about wearing black. I was oh. like, oh. <laughs> Oh, no, no, the, no, no. I don't know. There are black sabers. There okay. are black sabers. There are uh, think of like proto lightsabers. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, those were dark sabers. Okay. And then the purples are for the bad motherfuckers, <laughs> right? No. No. Is that how that works? <laughs> no, purple. That's an interesting one because that was actually specifically uh, requested by Samuel L. Jackson when he got the part of Mace Windu. Right. I remember hearing about that. Now the thing is, is how they've blended it is, you know, what are the two colors that make purple? They, they ask if that Jedi looks like a bitch. <laughs> Does he look no. like a bitch? Why, why are you talking to him like one? <laughs> no, 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 no. Now, what two colors comprise purple? Uh, blue and uh, red. Blue and red. Okay. So it's the idea that anytime you have a purple lightsaber, they you kill snakes. Skirt the, yes, on a plane. <laughs> With a random Asian dude that comes to <laughs> other snakes. I'm trying to think of as many Sam Jackson movies <laughs> yeah. as fast as possible. And then you have to, and then you have to weigh some water jugs in yeah. the middle of Central Park. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if that was too deep. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, but it's this idea now that anytime you have a purple one, it's you skirt the line between the light side and the dark side. And he says this party is over. Yes. This, uh, and, then, and then and then this party promptly, is over. And then promptly gets eaten by a shark. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, but where were we? Act two, they're they're on the Death Star now. Okay. Uh, they're um they kind of tricked their way in, uh they they've smuggled themselves in right. So they're they've kind of that's how they've kind of like snuck in and they stole those stormtroopers uniforms. Right. Oh yeah, and now they're in the control center the control and they're center. trying to figure out where, uh, Leia is. Right. And so and, it's and this is part of the plot where I feel like oh everything's in motion. So it's like. Oh, that's that's what it felt like because like R two D two is just like oh she's here she's here and he's like what what are you talking about like the princess just happens to be yes where they are where they are yeah yeah um and uh, this is where they're well again we're talking about Luke convinces Han like hey she's rich he's war- appealing You'll to their get greedy an award. side yeah. yeah um this reward sorry yeah <laughs> yeah this was actually like um. This almost felt like a different kind of movie because they're like, it was, now it's like, okay, we got to break in and break out. It's like a different kind of, yeah. There's you I, can tell like maybe Lucas had some other um, influence. Like it's a jailbreak story now. It's yeah. And now there is, there's stealth. Yeah. There's action. Mm-hmm. There's uh, comedy. Yeah. Now, uh, while, while the first act is, was mostly exposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like how the comedy flows much more organically in... Uh, this movie and then the rest of this trilogy, unlike those other movies where they really tried to shoehorn the comedy and really you can just say it. Stupid fucking characters ruined. <laughs> you my you can just say it out loud. It'll oh make you feel God, better. Jar Jar, fuck you, man. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> That's how I feel about watching Clone Wars now. Like every time I start to like it, he shows up and it's back to square one. Now and it's like a struggle to like get back to watching this show. <laughs> I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> but uh, no, th- this whole sequence was like a good way to show like this is they're, they're building rapport. You can see chemistry between them. You can um, uh, again, the comedy's flowing organically. Yeah, there's uh, you know, there's Han. There's Han talking to the other stormtroopers. Oh, my. There yeah. Is, <laughs> oh, what else? There is, you know, there is there's Han and Luke finding out that Leia can handle her own by taking yeah. one of their guns and shooting at the stormtroopers. I'd love to go back to that scene where it's like he's Han's on the intercom after they've like killed all the prison guards. He's like, Every- everything's fine now here. Okay, how are you? Like, and you can uh, see it on his face. He even does that face like, oh. And I just wanted the guy to answer back. Like, oh, you know, I've been having a really tough day. Yeah. I've just been waiting for somebody I, to ask me that. I think that's what they did in the yeah, Family um, Guy yeah, bit. Yeah, they did that in the Family Guy bit. And I always wanted that in the series as well. Like, mm, you know, I'm really glad you asked. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's actually like, it's a funny moment, but it actually does give you something to like about Han at that Be- point. Yeah, because he has no idea what he's doing yeah just like the rest of us yeah he's ju- he's just jumped into this mess for money and like <laughs> he just kind of has to joke his way through it and hope for the best <laughs> <laughs> yeah we also have the trash compactor scene right after that as well right and th- that's where you see again more of leia just taking charge again then you see some of the influence from hidden fortress like it's leia taking charge it's like hey somebody has to save us like you know, she just shoots her way out, and then like, um, 
just jumps down to that garbage chute. <laughs> now, going a little bit further, uh, we now have the Obi-Wan and the Vader fight. Yes. Um, and then that's where you also, they kind of like lay down the, a little bit more of the history. You like, you like, oh, something happened. Because it's like you were the master. How, how does that go? If uh, it's like you were the master and I was a student, now it tables have turned. Yeah, or, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so now you know there's an even deeper connection between Vader and Obi Wan. Yeah. And uh, again, in hindsight, when you know everything, um, the way Obi Wan was talking about Anakin and Darth Vader, like in, at the beginning of the movie in the hut, and then now it kind of makes things uh much more heavy because obi-wan truly believes that the second he became vader anakin was dead and gone right he believed that it was a different man like that was not anakin anymore yeah because of the years that they fought side by side and that Mm. they trained together and that he trained him and it's there's so much emotional context when you watch the rest of the story that Mm -hmm you very much miss out on what the story was supposed to be telling you if you've only seen the first movie. Right. All you know is it's it's setting groundwork for something bigger. Like, this was a big deal. Like, this duel was going to happen. Um, again, like, thing, everything's set in motion. Like, this was supposed to happen. And, uh, I, I, you know, the end of the fight, like, when I was younger, I had no idea what was... Like, wait a sec, he just turned into... Turned into dust. That's what happens when you get hit with a with a lightsaber. lightsaber. <laughs> but I thought it like chopped off your arm, like in the in the bar. Like what what happened? <laughs> like, what did that other guy turn to dust? Yeah, there, there really is no strong explanation. No, of that it as was well. just like okay, this is one of the things that sticks out. Even as powerful as that scene is, thank God for like John Williams' score because that really oh, like adds man. to it. That carries <laughs> like it. that that saved that scene. Like oh okay, this is in, this is insanely serious now. Because now Luke's lost everything from his planet. He's kind of just caught in this mess. There's nothing for him except to keep going. And and he's sadder about about Obi-Wan's death than he is about Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, which I'm always a little bit that weirded out about. That was a little weird out. And then yeah. Leia, I'm like, hey, I lost my whole planet. Like, I, l- but I'm not crying. Yeah, hey, you know. hey, if you could just quit being a bitch, that'd be great. <laughs> And she's trying to comfort him. Was Leia the older sister? I, I can't remember. I don't know, actually. I, I got to watch that scene again. Well, we're going to watch that scene again. Oh, God, we have to watch this. <laughs> we have to watch the prequel. Who was the older again. sibling? Who? Yeah, who is the older sibling? Huh. I want to say it was Luke. I want to say it was Luke, but I we don't, don't know. know. Yeah. But yeah, Luke, could you, could you quit being a bit? Because <laughs> actually, no, now that we, looking back, like we know they're twins, but. Oh, it just made me think, like, Leia's a kid, too. Yeah. But she's been through more because of her well, upbringing. And the idea behind it is that she's been a junior senator since she was 14 years old. Yeah. And, and you know, at that time, she has been uh, a junior senator and uh, essentially a senator for the last five years of your adolescent life, yeah. you know? And she understands, you know, there's there's another great... Uh, difference between Luke and Leia, where Leia, all Leia has had ever is responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, is it, pomp and circumstance. It's fu- Leia would have probably wanted a bit of that life that Luke had. Where it was just simple farm yeah. life, where your decisions didn't affect the entirety of your people. Mm-hmm. 
Because we always tend to forget Holy Leia is a princess. Yeah, I did not even think about that right now. Wow, we actually accomplished something on this show? <laughs> oh, what the God. fuck? Yeah, we should, probably, we should probably stop while we're ahead. Uh, <laughs> no, no, we got we to at least finish the first film. Um, okay, okay. Oh, okay, we're not, as far, we're not as long as I thought we were. Um, but... Uh, yeah, to think of Leia in that light now, I'm like, holy shit! That just added a lot more to her character, and um, it's like probably a, gains her more respect. It's like a weird parent trap. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. If Disney remakes this, that's exactly what they're gonna. Do. Why isn't that an SNL skit already? Right? Like, you know like, what I mean? Yeah. Or like Funny or Die or something. <laughs> there you go. You guys have that one. We can't yeah. film it. We don't have the everybody, budget. Everybody gets one. Yeah. Go ahead and take that one. Um. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, n- now again, now Luke is stuck in the situation. He has nothing left from his home planet. He just heard the voice, and then that must have been like, "What?" <laughs> Wait, I wish there was a reaction shot. Like that was something that was missing. Like, hold it, huh? Like, Who is talking to me right now? Wait, you can you can do that? <laughs> what's, what's what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling like Lucas wasn't as tight on the rules as like and it's very hard to do that in science fiction you have to kind of set up these rules and then follow them and then i feel like i don't know if he had them written down or in his head but in the way it's presented it it felt like he was still figuring it out in this movie um especially with you know obi-wan just turning to dust (laughs) or vapor or because there's no dust i don't think it could have been under the robes i don't know man maybe those little like cards like swept him up. Like. Oh god. <laughs> what are those cars for? I'm sure they're for something. I feel like they're just supposed to lead Ma- troops around. Maintenance droids. Just I lead th- troops around. Like Really? Well, cuz that's what it looked like in one scene. Like the oh. the troop there's a I line was... of troops following that little droid. I always thought like they were like just small maintenance droids or something. Anytime yeah. something small needs to be fixed, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, are uh, we are we to the third act? This now? we're just about there. Oh, I do want to bring up like one special edition scene that like um, it doesn't change the story, but it is very different. Like remember when Han's charging the troops? Yes. Yeah. So in the special edition, he runs and it's like, oh, there's a whole gang of them there, like a whole hangar full. It's like, oh shoot. In the non-edited version, it's almost as if like the troops just. Wait a second. They just turn around. <laughs> like, hold it. And then <laughs> then they start firing back. That's oh. what it felt like in the unedited version. Huh. <laughs> Man, they really need to re-release those. Yeah, it's, again, like I said, it felt like seeing an old friend and you just picked up right where you left off. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm, I'm like five years old again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're about... Uh, in the third act right now. So now they're off and um, they put a tracking beacon on the ship. Leia's like, yeah, of course we got away. Like, you know, that's how easy it was, even though they had to do a dogfight, which is one of my favorite sequences in the movie, just purely because it's fun. Yeah. Like, it's just, okay, this is where Lucas, um, he was influenced a lot by like dogfight movies and he always wanted to do one. He eventually did with Red Tails. Uh-huh. But, uh, like, that was his one chance to, like, put that in Star Wars. Like, if you look at that, um, those sequences, it looks a lot like a machine gunner footage from, like, World War II. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So it's actually, like, okay, that's I uh, that's where Lucas got that. And that sequence is just pure fun. And I remember as a kid growing up, that was always my favorite sequence. Just because of the action. And, like, it's like, yeah, just get the bad guys and... And it was always interesting to note, too, that, you know, for a space epic, 
when you think of other space epics, we don't spend as much time in space. Yeah. Like, this felt, you know, like everything was everything was centered around the Death Star, which is bigger than a moon yeah. in space. Yeah. Uh, the Millennium Falcon, which is this terrible, like it's like it's, it's a like running... if you if you, if you had a Pinto in space. Yeah. And but it was but it was just souped up under that hood. Yeah. You know, and then you also have in the third act the X wings and the and the trench fights. You know where we really spend a significant amount of time interacting with space. Yeah, they were really pushing that. It's Star Wars. Yeah. This is a war. It's got stars. We got it. <laughs> yeah, like, that's all you need to know. Just yeah. come. <laughs> yeah. And this is where that the whole Death Star fight sequence is actually like, like okay, this is where, like, I would always want the original versions around, but this is where I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool with the special editions. Yeah, there, I'll definitely there are those give you cool that. cool sequences with the X-Wing. Like, I remember when they were, when they released the trailer, of that, and you'd wait forever for the clip to load of like um, online. This is back when we had like America Online, folks. <laughs> the, the practically the dark ages, uh, and like you'd ha- wait forever just to see that little small clip of like the X wing, like flying by <laughs> in the special edition trailer, and you're like, "Whoa, cool!" <laughs> Before that, though, uh, we also meet one of Luke's friends from Tatooine. That's not in the original film it's really? only in the in the, it's only in the uh, uh special editions now so biggs is like he you, he mentions biggs in he both mentions first. biggs yeah but, but you don't know who he you don't really meet him in the original version of the film and what's so interesting is that you know we meet him in the third act of the special edition but he was supposed to be a bigger part in the movie the entire time he, and they he film, should he should yeah. have actually like it would have made more sense it would have brought more uh, gravity to what was going on. And I think it would have had, yeah, just a lot more emotional resonance to mm-hmm. who dies in that fight because, uh, oh gosh, uh, Red Squadron mm-hmm. didn't feel like an actual squadron, which I appreciate because, you know, this rebellion is hobbled together with whoever Yeah, I mean, get. really, like, think about it. Like, Luke is, Luke, Leia just met this guy and it's like, yeah, he can fly for us. Yeah, he'll be Red 5. It's like, what? <laughs> There's a guy that's been through like years of flight school. Like I trained my life for this. <laughs> he gets five, and he's like read seven or something. <laughs> it's like, dang it! <laughs> no, but it's it's this. Um, you know, I think there was supposed to be a lot of emotional setup. Yeah, there's definitely supposed to be a lot more of that. It went the more adventurous, family friendly route. Um, but even so, like it would have been interesting to see that. And yes. like it, even in the special edition, like you meet him, but like, oh, that's not enough for me. Yeah, like it, it, it felt that felt shoehorned in. After it, it did, and it, yeah. and all I want, all I wanted to know is like, I want to know more about Biggs. Yeah, before you know, we before he meets his ultimate fate. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I wanted that one scene at Tashi Station where he meets Biggs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now. No. Okay, are we to the Death Star now? Well, okay, we kind of... Well, we skipped over the briefing. Which uh, we, don't, we really don't need the briefing. Yeah. Good job, R2. Two, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Luke bullseyes womp rats, which people make fun of, but I'm like, well, if he was farming, maybe those things were vermin. 
Yeah, or like, do you even know what what does a like, womp rat look I, like? I always think of them as like R-O-U-S's, well, but th- even worse. Well, here's the thing: like he said, they're like two meters big. I'm like, guys, that's six five. Like that's huge. Two meters what? is six five. What? Yeah. I never realized that. Yeah. So like, yeah, okay, that's small for like uh, a thermal exhaust port on a space station. Yeah. But for an animal <laughs> yeah that's who's, pretty big who's probably attacking like moisture farms and yeah stuff. And like that's trying to help out. that's why they have to bite buy more droids because they keep getting eaten by these friggin things yeah so i'm just gonna so, think i'm just gonna think womp rats are now just like just terrifying owl bears yeah or luke, <laughs> yeah luke's in his like t16 and he has to bullseye these things because if he tries it, to take them on land yeah he'll they get like eaten. they like kidnap children yeah you know <laughs> it's like crap he's really helping out that town <laughs> it's like, oh, oh my god he's the, like what are they doing without him now that yeah he, that's oh my god <laughs> they've taken over the farm oh my god that that's oh, why we never see tattooing ever again it's just it's just overrun by womp rats yeah it's they're like wild pigs they just kept overbreeding and oh, like yeah. they just yeah. took over every crop and now they have a taste for meat oh my god <laughs> like yeah that plant's dead <laughs> It's like Jabba's palace was like the last refuge. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's why that was everybody was always partying oh, because there was nothing else. Yeah. For them. What else are we gonna do? We can't get off the planet right? without Jabba. So, oh my God, that movie got dark. <laughs> what were we talking about? Third act. <laughs> uh, okay, that's the battle. But again, a lot of technical innovations from ILM. They had to invent stuff and invent ways to shoot it. Um, and to be even watching the, the original version, like wow, some of this still looks pretty good, considering that it was 1977. Like it was definitely like ahead of its time. I think even more important than that, in the third act, it's so important to have your emotional moment. It's important to have your catharsis. You know, mm-hmm. you need that release of tension in mm-hmm. order to make sure that you fully take in and you understand the movie. Yeah. Now we. You know, we open up on the Death Star, and and there are these minuscule fighters, uh, as mm-hmm. you know, attacking this moon-sized base, and and they're going through trenches, and they're trying, and they're failing, and and it's I mean, just not that, enough. That's just representative of the entire fight. It's like this ra- this really small ragtag group against this giant bully. Like, it's just a huge physical representation of that entire war. And I think like the definition of catharsis when when you think about that in in terms of uh, like film and storytelling is the moment that han solo comes in oh yeah no actually that that spot where like if you watch it like he comes in there's a flash of like white light behind him as if that's that's his redeeming moment (laughs) and it's like no i'm sure i bet that's what it is like he's it comes in he's a flash of white light like that's his redeeming moment and he saves the day uh, and and it's it's so great to to get to experience i guess that 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 feeling also because later on when you're in empire you understand how close luke and han are now yeah and there's a number of uh, th- there's a span of time in between episode 4 and episode 5 it just doesn't happen one after the other yeah. there are adventures mm-hmm. that they that they go on there are missions that they run together yeah. and this is really the absolute start of the friendship that they both care about so much where Han forsakes. Well, okay. Well, I mean, later on in the films, Luke forsakes Jedi training mm-hmm. and well, Han forsakes 
everything he believes in in order to be a better person. Yeah, and then on another level, like this is this is Han's arc for this movie. There's a much clearer arc for him. Like he is this he's this murdering scoundrel at the beginning. Yeah. Now he's he jo- wants he, to be better. Yeah. This is like okay. No, this is who I am. Like I can handle the other stuff my own. Like I need to come back and help my friends. Because yeah, and it, it's just that turning point is, is so iconic in these films, and you just love Han more and more as we go. Right. And 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 I'm sure in a later episode we'll talk about this. But if they would have killed him in Empire like they were planning, ooh, that'd been heavy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, the, and then also right after uh, Han saves the day, let's not forget Luke finally gets to see what he's made of and he he lands that perfect shot and this is also one of the defining moments for understanding that he is a jedi like his father before him because the targeting oh right they turn out he's like use the force luke yeah yeah and it's and and people know Mm -hmm. that he's not using the targeter they even mention it in the movie and 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 when you f- when you start reading the in canon books, there is one between four and five where everybody flips out about <laughs> meeting Luke Skywalker, the dude who hit this two meter exhaust port yeah. of the Death Star to blow it up without a targeting reticle. Oh, okay, that's actually really interesting. Yeah, and, and it's it's um it, it's weird because he becomes sort of the celebrity just mm. overnight because of it. Yeah, it, that's also interesting because um like. If you look at the individual pieces, because all of that makes perfect sense to the audience when you're watching it. If you look at the individual pieces, it you're like, what the heck? He hears this random voice. There's no introduction. Like, what is that? Like, they, they don't explain it. But yet everything together, like, works so well. And the audience immediately understands, like, that's Ben. And, like, that's where he is. And, like, he's um, with the Force. And, like, for some reason, all of that just made sense. Like that's one of that that seems like never questioned, as far as I can tell. Yeah, it, it's I'm, it's like a lot of like things like wait a second, if you saw, like wait he hears he a voice or like he turns off a computer what what what's going on? Uh, and I think but the way it came together, it just worked perfectly. Uh, and I think it worked so perfectly because once again it was the mystery of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we loved Han Solo beforehand because he just shot this dude. <laughs> yeah, Tina, that's mystery mm-hmm. to us. Why the hell is Vader so huge and tall and threatening? Yeah. Oh, cr- he just choked a dude. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like through a TV screen. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just, it's the idea of mystery that that there's so much technology, there's so many advancements, and there's so many advancements that everybody's kind of just used to it, and everything's dirty now. Yeah. And the mystery behind everything. I think that's what ties everything together. Yeah, for sure. Th- in that movie especially, everything just kind of makes sense. Like, oh, he's talking to Ben. Like, that's his m- coming from beyond. And like, oh, that's Vader doing the choking even though he's not actually choking someone. Like, you know, all the performances and the way everything came together is why, like, that works for some reason. And, like, it, it's a very interesting film in that regard. Metal scene. <laughs> <laughs> I want that yellow jacket. So bad, right? <laughs> so bad. Actually, the one okay, so there are two pieces of of cosplay that I've that I've always wanted to do from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh the very uh, well, okay, the lower one is um Hans uh Hoth like gear. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, I, I, if I ever went to like a winter Comic Con, that's what I would wear. And when we, is it blue or brown? Because that was it's a debate. It's blue for a while. and brown. It's blue and brown. Yeah, it's blue. It's blue the jacket and then brown for pants. Oh no no! Like there was a debate over the color of the jacket. No, I'm pr- no, it's blue. Okay, so it's, it's blue settled. on Hoth. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. It's blue on Hoth, and I think it's blue throughout uh, throughout Empire as okay. well. That, that's actually an interesting debate to bring up for the next when we cover Empire. <laughs> N- now, uh, the other one though that I've always wanted to wear the most is Luke's Jedi outfit, his all black Jedi outfit in Return. Oh yeah. It just looks comfortable. And also, <laughs> it's one of the only times that you see a Jedi wear all black. Right. Well, because you realized it was slimming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but anyway, the metal, <laughs> the metal scene. Now, I would have to say that the metal scene is also kind of pulled right out of the Hidden Fortress. Fortress, yep. Yeah. Was, you know? It's, it, like, the way it's framed, you're just like, oh, that's where you got it. Okay. Yeah. Where the peasants in the Hidden Fortress represent the like the audience. Mm-hmm. While, you know, the three people at the very end, um, you know, the princess, the um, uh, Rokoruda. Uh, and the, the opposing and, general. And the who, opposing general yeah. as well. Uh, who joins them. Yeah. Spoiler alert Spoiler, for a movie yes. from 1958. Yeah, anyway. but, uh, and, and by the way, I, this was the first time I've ever seen the same, Hidden Fortress. Same here. And that really surprised me. Mm-hmm. That was a, an incredibly pleasant surprise about the opposing general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, one thing that people always bring up in that is is what's starkly weird is that Chewbacca doesn't, doesn't get, get a medal. A medal. Okay? Yep. And now, I think they wrote some right some work around yeah, for that. So originally out of canon, it was because like um, you know like. Uh, like, you know, Wookiees don't have a concept of medals or rewards mm-hmm. or anything like that. But I think now it's the idea that they, they're they not uh, rewarded for doing the right thing. Like, like oh, in so. their culture, like they don't want rewards for oh, doing okay, the right okay. thing. Okay. And I really like that. I think at first it was like an aversion to like medals yeah. and stuff. But now it was like, no. Like, hey, huh, I'm a, shiny. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I'm a Wookiee. We're a proud race. We do what's right. Right. And that's it. Like, don't reward me for, you know, what I was supposed to be doing. Exactly. Anyway. And I liked that idea, okay. especially from Chewbacca. That's a nice worker. But, like, I feel like during production, they're just like, oh, shit. Oh, we're God. Where's the think third about one? That. Where's the third one? Oh, metal? crap. Um, <laughs> just stand there. Like, one of, shit, one, oh. one of the interns, like, just left it on the bus. <laughs> or something, you know? <laughs> it's like they were filming and they're like, wait a second. Wait, no. Oh. Okay, but. But, but growl but, real quick. But yeah. growl. Yeah. <laughs> but we're just like, oh, man, we already put the camera away. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, screw it. That's lunch, everyone. <laughs> Although I do have to say, what about all of the other pilots that got out of the Death Star? That's true. Like, do they? Was there a part of the ceremony we didn't see? Maybe? It didn't feel like it, did it? Well, I mean, everyone was already there. I'll give you that. So, like, maybe something... Before, like the trumpets you hear, like for well, I mean, it's the score, but like that, like maybe that's the the main event of the ceremony. Because I feel like those ceremonies would be a lot longer than that, right? And uh, no, I definitely think you're correct. Yeah, a- and I think you're right. I think a bunch of people got a bunch of medals before that. Yeah. But what I want to know, and they keep doing this with the with the in canon books, is they visit certain pieces and they place certain people into these in into these events in Star Wars. Uh, but in a much smaller role, they experienced it, but they didn't have a direct control over it. Mm-hmm. For example, 
uh, in Return of the Jedi during the second Death Star run where Lando's running it, right? There's one Y-Wing. Mm-hmm. Well, in the books, now you get to read about that one Y-Wing pilot. Oh. Yeah. And But wouldn't it be great to like go back and be like, okay, what about the rest of Red Squadron? Are they uh, resentful? Why did for... they why did they let Jack Porkins get so fat? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, no, because they're they're rebel they're a ragtag. They're a ragtag rebellion. The dude is a good pilot. You can't turn away good pilot. He could have been better if he was in better health. <laughs> right. No, but like and then and then you find out that uh after that, then Luke goes from Red Squadron in Gold. Yeah. No, no, no he's in he's in Rogue Squadron. He's in Ro- you're right. Yeah, Rogue. he's in Rogue Squadron, mm-hmm. yeah. I think Lando's Gold Squadron, but I can't remember at this point. But it, it would be a really interesting idea because you have the books mm-hmm. of Rogue Squadron out of canon. And those were some of the best books yeah, out that's of the series. One of the few things about the expanded universe that I liked. The, oh, uh the, those story those characters, but and there's a lot of other shit that makes me like, okay, we could we can do without that. Yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> like um like clones with extra vowels. Yeah, I'm cool. That's <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I can't believe all we this, made it through the entire movie. All this all this bullshit with Boba Fett anyway. Uh I I this is one of those times where I thought I wouldn't agree with you, but I kind of agree with you. I don't think Boba Fett is is a character that people should have gotten behind and Clone Wars really helped them out. Yeah. Because before that all I ha- they had were those animated specials and like the few scenes and then he gets beaten by a blind and man. And then all of all of the can the out of canon stories too. Yeah, I was just like that doesn't ca- that's not that he's dead. Deal with it. Um but anyway, um okay, we made it. That was <laughs> the first movie. <laughs> I thought we were going to be here all night, but I like, thought, uh, yeah, okay. no, it felt like it, we were going to be here all night. <laughs> okay, we we should wrap this bitch up. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but um, tell us what you think of, of this episode. I would really like to keep going, and we'll probably bring on someone else for Empire. Uh, it'll be the uh, two of us, Empire, us two, and someone else. Empire is going to be too much for us to to really yeah, handle. And, and I think even between the two of us, there's a lot of things that we learn from each yeah, other. Yeah, and then just th- like we probably could have kept going, but we have to do other stuff because this, this <laughs> podcast could have been like four hours um but yeah we the idea now is like we're gonna go through empire and return of the jedi and the prequels and force awakens and um just and let then, us know what you think and then after that the harry potter series we could and do the chronicles of narnia oh, let's, let's do and fast <laughs> fast and the furious, fast and, the furious. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh kickboxer and uh, oh <laughs> Yes, let's go through Kickboxer. <laughs> There's five of those, you know. That? Let's just go through all of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. Yeah, as let's well. do that. Yeah, like. You know. Oh, three is gonna be painful. Anyway, three. <laughs> that, and that's you know, if that's a segment like you want to uh, keep seeing on my show, let me know. Uh, you can let me know at uh, on Facebook at Justin Malari, Instagram at Justin Malari, Twitter it's Justin underscore Malari because I still can't get the name. Uh, Jason, where can they find you? Uh, I am under uh, at JPG, that's J-A-E-P-E-A-G-E-E. And as always, you can always find us on social media under the handle at GeekSayWhat. On pretty much everything. On everything, yes. Okay, and any final thoughts on the movie, Jason? Uh, Final thoughts? Um, I'm really excited for the next two that we're going to be talking about. Oh. Not so excited for the prequels, but... I am trying to have a bit more patience with it, and I do yes. want to try to. F- I do want to try to view the movie with a without an eye of nostalgia. I guess. Yeah. No, I, I'm gonna do it 
do the same thing. Give it a fair shot. I, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm going to do with all these movies. Give it a fair shot. I'm not going to be biased one way or the other, but I'm going to give it like uh, a real, like as much of an analysis as I can give. And like, you know, this, this is my Star Wars. The original is my favorite movie of all time. It still is even after breaking it up like this and kind of looking for all the flaws that were in there and um, kind of just, I, I kind of even just appreciate those flaws now. It's just, it's to me, it's always going to be like, that's the movie I look to for not essentially the perfect movie, but um, something that means something to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So with, I think that's everything else. Um, again, let us know what you think and have a good night, folks. Yeah.